Hello, everybody. This is the Friendly Bear Podcast, where we interview some of the best and brightest traders in the trading community. Listen to inspiring stories and nuggets of insight from current and future game changers in the trading space. Listen and learn as we explore all types of trading niches with some of the best in the industry from a Friendly Bear point of view. Make sure to check out the Friendly Bear Podcast new YouTube channel called Friendly Bear Research, which includes all the podcast video content and supplemental screen shares. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes. With that being said, I'm your host, David, a.k.a. Reverse Long, and this is the Friendly Bear Podcast. Let's dive in. T.O.P., the Cayman Island Chinese stock, went crazy two weeks ago and squeezed out a lot of short sellers. So it actually got finally halted by the SEC today. I called out T.O.P. three days before the big run. Um, I had Dan McClory, the, K- the Chinese IPO specialist from Bausa, the shadiest underwriter, investment banker uh, out there, basically notorious for, for doing shady deals. Bausa Securities, we're, we're a leading underwriter of small cap IPOs. We have about 50 that are in registration right now. Uh, and it's, it's an outgrowth of having invested in companies and understanding how critical it is to have them adequately capitalized and to have opportunities for liquidity by listing them on major stock exchanges like NYSE, NASDAQ, the London Stock Exchange, Hong Kong, a number of venues throughout the world. Boosted. Boosted is like what you would say in Boston if you were stealing a car. He boosted a car. But no, this is Boosted, <laughs> the Chinese IPO. It was paused, but they're back going on. There's probably been that. 10 of them done this year. Uh, we've done two. They're slowly but surely starting to come back. So virtually all of our international issuers use an offshore holding company. It's more favorable to use one. It could be BVI. It could be Cayman. Uh, we've seen Bermuda lately. So that becomes the hold co, the list co. Cayman has been the destination of choice for a lot of Chinese and Asian companies, but we see it we see it elsewhere with European companies as well. Now, are you familiar with some of like the Chinese IPOs that went like really parabolic and then crashed like last year and a couple of years before? Like what's going on specifically? Do you know anything with like the Chinese uh, at all? Like because I, I heard of like these, these like Chinese groups that were doing some crazy things to the stocks and they would just go crash, you know, because China was locked down during the pandemic. So no one could go there in person and go check it out. Anything, uh, did you observe any of those? Several. And I think it's a combination of factors. One is, and you alluded to it, the extreme pent up demand when listings were paused or halted. And that started happening about three years ago with the geopolitical environment between the U.S. and China, and then the SEC and then NASDAQ taking a pretty hard line about really not wanting to see an almost racist way Chinese companies being listed in the U.S. So that started to create a lot of constipation of deals. So there's all these deals people wanted to bring to market. I see. So are you familiar with like the movie, The China Hustle? Have you ever seen that? I've absolutely seen it. Yeah, I'm familiar yeah. with several people that were featured there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So one I, guy- I know the executive producer. Frank Marshall, you know, Mark Cuban had a role in it. So I know. Yeah, yeah, he had, he, had a, he had a role in it. It's crazy. So one, one of the guys that went there to investigate a company, they locked them up in China. They just like held them up at the airport. And they locked them up for a couple of years. So is that still like the case? Like in China is like, you know, they because like I'm 
you know, like it crossed my head after seeing that movie that they can run up these stocks in China and like they're in China and, and the SEC or anybody can't really go over there. So like and if, if someone were to go over there and expose it, then then uh, they would be locked up in jail because it's communist. It was paused and now it's not. And like, you know, there's some element of considering race or whatever. But is it really racism because, or is it just like something like some some really uh nefarious activity going on uh, in the market where a lot of these Chinese stocks from the Cayman Islands are squeezing like insane levels and there's obvious manipulation going on. So like maybe that that's pump and dumps schemes that going on and, you know, it needs to be eradicated, you know? So like, for example, we had HKD last year. That was one out of the Cayman Islands Chinese pump like crazy. Uh, ILAG, I-L-A-G. Um, I, I know, for example, one from from Bowstead, uh what do you call it? Um, uh, PETZ. That one squeezed, and they did an offering. It's, it went from sixty cents and squeezed all the way to nine dollars in the after hours. And like, um, I heard rumblings about there being like margin loan scams in China and some other uh, boiler room pump and dump uh, boiler rooms, you know, going on. So like. Why and then I see like WhatsApp groups with like fake Chinese girls. They even have I don't know if you're aware like on Tinder and stuff. These Chinese profiles, Chinese girls around mid thirties, they seem to be, and they try to swindle guys to go buy their stock. And this is all happening with Chinese stocks over and over and over and over. And then we have the China hustle. So like uh, documentary, I was from 2011. So like why is that? Why is that race? I don't see that as race. I see it like that's just it, this. This is blatant stuff that needs to be. You know, it's it's just not good for the market. Yesterday, T.O.P., there were some messages being sent on WhatsApp of these Chinese girl characters telling people to buy and, and to short. So the Chinese, these are Chinese boiler rooms in China. Like they're they're actively doing this. And there's a lot of people in the in like myself that talk with through all these chat rooms. And it's just passed around like thousands of traders know about this. And it's an so it must be true. I have I have no ability. I mean I'm I'm joking when I, I mean, say that you know I was on the internet I, it must be true but I have no I have no, no I see it myself I, I get I'm getting targeted myself by these Chinese WhatsApp characters I have a right here I they 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 go they message random people with certain zip codes and they they say hey my uncle says to buy the stock my uncle says there it's rampant all these groups with bad English it's all Chinese and it's all Chinese stocks and it's a, a majority of them are from the Cayman Islands and I have seen it personally with my my eyes so it's not just on the internet these are characters on Tinder when I go on Tinder and I match a girl an Asian girl in her thirties mostly this happens I'm in Los Angeles and I get this. And and just like the movie, the Tinder swindler, this is like the Chinese stock swindler. And uh, you, you know, know I, so, if I if I were you, I would let the regulators know about this because th this sounds like I'm something sure, very I'm sure they know. I'm, I'm sure they. I don't know. know. It's the first. It's the first I've heard. There's a lot of Chinese uh, stuff going on with the Cayman Islands. You have holding companies. I know. Um, I had recently, you know, Dan McClory from Valset on the podcast. He was telling me how Chinese companies, <laughs> how Chinese companies, um go through the Cayman Islands and form a holding company to make themselves favorable to list on the listed exchanges. And, and you know, and I, I always thought that was kind of weird and fishy because, like, you know, it's just uh, not typical. And a lot of, like, these Chinese stocks are, are no one can really go there in person and see how they are, see if the company is doing what they say they're doing. Because, you know, even though, for example, I want to get your opinion on this, because, like, the China Hustle documentary was done a long time ago. And that was like uh, reverse mergers 
and like you know companies that like kind of who knows if they're there or not or performing how they are and then now we have uh the cayman islands and there was nothing going on with the cayman islands when the china hustle came out but now there is and so it's kind of the same instead of just like reverse mergers now it's like forming these these like shell entities so when you look at the china hustle the original documentary it feels a little bit like history doesn't repeat itself but it rhymes so it's a, it's a very similar ideas in maybe a slightly different packaging with a, a holding company maybe in between the shell companies in between being in the Cayman Islands rather than maybe another jurisdiction. But uh, here are the fundamental ideas, I think, that are important to understand when it comes to buying uh, stocks that have underlying businesses that are operating in China. You are never going to seize anything and you will have a very hard time executing your rights here when it comes to touching any hard assets on the ground in China. But if you give a Chinese company that is listed here in the US, uh, um, I think credit and you're the senior creditor, um, even if they pledge you collateral real estate, whatever they might pledge, you won't be able to seize that realistically in China and sell it, you know, as a creditor would maybe be able to do in the US. Um, maybe similar to that, as a shareholder, you will have a very hard time enforcing anything when things really go wrong and that has to do with the fact that the chinese don't really let you own these assets directly and they will never allow this this is a thing that they don't like and they say basically you have a choice you have the choice between participating in the economics here somewhat even though this requires a lot of trust and we're not really sending a lot of money out of china ever so like dividends and payments from these from from mainland china are very very difficult uh, for for uh, U.S. investors or foreign investors in general. But if you believe it, you get to participate in the economics, you know. But it is not the same thing as direct stock ownership. So it's kind of almost that as if these Chinese stocks are like trading tokens, you know. Often shady Cayman Island holding companies that then hold assets in mainland China and there's and the variable interest entities that are maybe in between. And you know that you don't really directly own the asset. They don't really have the rights that stockholders in U.S. listed companies ordinarily have. A lot of the negative things that you associate with uh, Chinese stocks are, have to do with pump and dumps, with, uh, you know, uh, shady chat rooms that are pushing certain stocks where it's fairly obvious that uh, there's nothing really underlying. The stock is vastly overvalued but they're being promoted in, in nefarious ways. If I'm a Chinese fraudster with criminal energy and I'm defrauding U.S. investors out of money, there is probably no legal framework to really punish me. Uh, and the Chinese are not going to extradite me. So it's there's a lot of incentive to commit white-collar crime uh, with very little repercussions for the fraudsters. The Chinese margin loan scams. Hypothetically, they pump a stock and they have no repercussions. And then they take out a loan against that stock and then they just don't pay the loan back. The most common way that this is done is, I think, as you say, about through stock loans. Um, the guys on the other end are also, as I understand, extremely shady. Sometimes that in China, they are quite actively advertising what they call market cap management companies. You know, market cap management is also a good term. So that's aka stock manipulation, uh -huh. but they make you give give them a certain inventory of, of shares of your company that they're supposed to pump and um, some cash. 
that they then cycle through and they will very actively try to uh, you know pump the stock so um for example tsp which you did that was chinese um mm -hmm. that was uh i think it was when china was locked down so you had to do the research without actually going physically there or did you hire someone there i forgot it's yeah. just so difficult because like in the china hustle they locked that guy up i don't know if you remember in jail yep. for doing that so like how do you investigate a, a chinese company um we have our private investigators on the ground in china a big loss on hkd the notorious hkd the china pump out of the cayman islands hkd was definitely the probably the most insane squeeze that i've seen personally hkd i mean from from 10 bucks to 2500 i mean no one could ever in fathom that china pump the imt uh jcsc LYT, ILAG, et cetera. And HKD actually cost me like uh, about one third of my year. You're competing against other short sellers. Like, there's nobody buying this thing. It's just short seller covering and you're, you're shorting into another short and you just lose control of it. Kind of this, this, this uh, crazy move where the market cap was able to go to 450 billion, which um, I thought was the craziest part of the entire move. I remember when we were celebrating uh, the first trillion dollar market cap on uh, Apple a few years ago. I'm not sure the exact year or date, but now here we are a few years later and we have a Chinese scam with zero revenue going up 400 to $450 billion uh, market cap, which nearly would have been 45% of Apple at that time. The money definitely, the money that the short sellers have made on the other Chinese pumps kind of added fuel to the fire. It was just a very black swan event, five to 150 in a couple of days. Most of these crazy runners, what they do is they, you know, they kind of grind up and they, you know, maybe have some short traps where they entice some shorts in. They look like they're going to die. They're already up, you know, 500% or something, but then they end up getting saved and they grind back up, and then they go fully parabolic. WNW and Elfin, and uh, I know there's been a few China IPO scams, basically, that, that do this kind of behavior. Just recently, HKD was a Cayman Island IPO, and these Cayman Island IPOs have been the weirdest ones. TNON, JCSE, all these Cayman Island IPOs, you group them like that? But for me, the biggest thing that I look for in terms of potential um, it's just who the underwriter is, because if you look at the underwriters, there's very specific ones that have a history of doing sketchy IPOs that will make these ridiculous moves. And you can see that, you know, before they even IPO. So, you know, if if there's a sketchy underwriter who's done, you know, five different scam IPOs in the past and they're doing another IPO that's connected to China and is based out of the Cayman Islands. And, you know, it has a, a low float that is. IPOing at a at a low price. Where is the SEC? Why aren't they stepping in? This is insane. When you're involving sums of money that are that large and people who are this powerful, I just I feel like it's not that difficult for someone to have an inside connection and uh, you know, kind of yeah. let it go on longer than it should. There's definitely some some bribery involved. And I think that is something that happens a lot on these pumps. These Chinese girls, fake profiles, they want rapport with you. They develop some rapport and then all of a sudden it's like, if you like me, you would invest, you, uh, I have my uncle, like, if you like, if you love me, if you like me, you would invest in his stock. There's this guy, Arius, that runs Financially Ripped YouTube and he made a YouTube channel exposing it. There were these Chinese stock scams that were kind of happening through uh, 
WhatsApp and WeChat and other uh, chat groups. On the surface, it doesn't it doesn't really seem like a scam. The monetary transfer is not going from um, from victim to scammer, right? This yeah, is going yeah. from there's these Chinese head funds. In a nutshell, the the scam is that these girls these these girls will contact you. They'll they'll be your friend. They'll play along and they'll play along for months, and then you start to believe it. And then before um, the planned dump, then they'll they'll pop this question like, "Hey, do you stock trade? Do you do any trading?" Story that they have an uncle, or they got a brother, or a cousin in a in a banking position or a high investment position who knows all this inside information. The first girl that contacted me, we kind of came up with an agreement of, okay, why don't you tell me which stocks are going to get dumped? She's the one that has been feeding me all this information. The companies themselves, the, the publicly traded companies themselves are kind of working alongside these Chinese head funds to do these pump and dumps. In the background, there's hedge funds and and big companies buying up the shares of these stocks yeah and then when it when the when the stock starts to kind of reach its peak then they'll unleash these girls onto unsuspecting victims when people think they're buying real companies or when chinese company these fake chinese companies base their they're finding loopholes in order to get listed so they can run their their paper, you know, and take advantage of people. There should be a sequel to the China hustle because things have changed. But however, the concepts are still kind of the same. You know, the same thing like pump and dumps, they kind of morph. It evolves in, in, a, in a weird way because human emotions are, are the same. People react, you know, in the 1920s, they had pump and dumps also, you know, so then the roaring 20s. So people's greed and fear and emotions stays the same throughout time. Technology changes, things change, but human nature always remains the same. That concludes today's episode. Make sure to like and subscribe to the channel on the platform you use. The Friendly Bear Podcast is hosted by me, David, where you can find me on Twitter at reverse underscore long. You can find the Friendly Bear Podcast at www.thefriendlybearpodcast.com as well as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Amazon Music, and now on YouTube at Friendly Bear Research. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Friendly Bear Podcast.